Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the podcast where I share the inspiring stories of diverse leaders bringing equity to financial systems through fintech. I'm Nicole Kasperson. What is up, fintech fam? Nicole here, and today's episode is hitting a little bit different. It's just me in your ear today, and I'm going to dive into some recent happenings in fintech and some trends, stories, things that have been on my mind. A few weeks ago in sunny California, I heard Danny Fava, the head of innovation at fintech giant Investnet, say that fintech apps are just not where they need to be. Her direct quote was zero stars. It really stuck with me because she's right. We don't need any more fintech apps. We are completely saturated. Your users are completely inundated with choices that they don't need. So what does that environment look like right now? In 2020, consumers downloaded 4.6 billion finance apps. In 2021, 573 million downloads in the United States. And during the same period, we spent a combined total of 16 billion hours on finance apps. Mind blown. Anyway, that's the equivalent of 1.8 million years of human brain power spent on finance apps. Danny did the math for us, so appreciate you there. Why is this happening? Fintech apps focused on engagement and they're focused on getting you to spend time there and they're doing it incorrectly, like sharing lousy advice or nudging you to trade more times a day than you need to be. Another example is notifications that you'll get from a fintech app that reads, do you want to see what your friends are trading? Now, in this instance, it was really funny because Danny was like, have you met my friends? I don't want to know anything. But that's the advice these apps are giving. Take Venmo for another example. Venmo has you spending time inducing FOMO so that you can scroll through to see which friends of yours are hanging out with other friends who didn't invite you to brunch. Now, this is the hard truth. Fintech tools are not where they need to be when we think about the examples that I just listed and that Danny shared, and we think about the way that they are inducing certain behaviors. Tech is so pervasive right now, but unless we actually leverage behavioral finance to help more users engage with their finance apps in healthy ways, healthier ways than just trading as many times a day as possible or checking their Venmo feed, then we aren't doing our jobs right. We have to do better than that, and we can. And on top of that, consumer expectations are about to change again. Consumers are wising up to how pervasive tech is and how it has induced our poor behavior. So we have this mess of fintech apps that we're supposed to trust by linking our accounts and taking loans and buy now, pay later and investing in fractional shares of things, which are honestly really, really great for access. But we should be asking for better tools from companies and consumers should be expecting that. And they are and you should be ready to deliver. 
But what does that mean for the industry itself? It means massive consolidation. Fintech has done access well, like too well. And this oversaturation can lead to some significant analysis paralysis for users. And while access has been a great way for placing our industry from behind the curtain to center stage as part of cultural narratives, one big problem is still unsolved. How do we actually help people build wealth sustainably? Whether you're a fintech company that is B2C, B2B, or B2B2C. I believe that with the right mix of behavioral and embedded finance, there's a significant opportunity to turn access to meaningful wealth building. But the problem is is that our world is so hyper-focused on distractions, right? We want quick fix solutions that are distracting us from getting to the foundation of real world issues. And finance and fintech are a part of that. Speaking of distractions, I want to fast forward to recent headlines like Kim Kardashian being fined $1.26 million for promoting crypto without paid ad transparency. So I get that everyone is all tied up on focusing on Kim here. That's what the headlines are going to gravitate to. But honestly, we're all completely missing the point. Buzzing celebrities and glamorizing crypto investing shifts are focused away from the opportunity to truly shed light on financial education and content to help more people sustainably build wealth. I want to see fintech companies promote real financial education, like the kind that cautions others on those who prey on typically marginalized communities for a quick buck. We all know how much Kim Kardashian is worth, but did you know that 860 million people will live below the poverty line in 2022? Yeah. This year, that's 263 million more people that live below the poverty line than before the pandemic. That's the equivalent to the entire population of the UK, France, Germany, and Spain combined. Now, the reason it's easier to want to solve these problems with quick fixes like promoting crypto investing via an influencer is that humans are biologically prone to short-term decision-making. As leaders shaping the fintech industry, we must shift our mindset away from short-term thinking and apply it everywhere like design processes, marketing campaigns, and product launches. If we're going to navigate the financial education threat that our world faces skillfully, we need a mindset that allows us to be future conscious. So how do we leverage technology and incorporate it into fintech products that help more users think about their day-to-day actions and the ramifications of that and their impact on future generations? We have to have a mentality called long path, and we can leverage the pervasiveness of tech to get users more excited about automating an emergency savings account than a pump and dump campaign from celebrities. Most often, people will see a problem and say, oh, great, let's get into a room and with post-it notes and our laptops and redesign the future that we want. Woohoo. But that's really not how we solve problems. You solve problems by getting your team into a room and discussing empathy. Now, typically when we think about empathy, we often like to think about empathy in the present moment. To leverage fintech right, we need empathy for the future and the past. So this is called transgenerational empathy. For example, we can look back at the history of the credit scoring system and understand that it is rife with gender and racial inequities and is not a historically inclusive model that we should be paying attention to. 
But we have to put that into the context of, yes, it is wrong. And everyone that was involved in creating it was wrong. But wrong decisions can happen to all of us and do happen to all of us. But understanding that allows us to look at the past and reconcile with it and create a clean slate. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable. We should. But it means that we're putting their actions within a context that allows us to process them and then move forward. So we use empathy as it allows us to connect with the past in a way that will drive actions in the present by us. We need to approach embedded finance with empathy and redesign the future that we want for users and our economy. So one of the things that we have to do as an industry level is to make sure that all of our tech is built in a behavioral informed and thoughtful way. Behavioral finance should be a complex operator principle that your leadership pays attention to. It's listening for what's not being said, and it's getting below the surface and to the why behind the actions of human behavior. So what are the mistakes users make that behavioral finance and fintech can help solve? Here's three. One, tunnel vision. We as humans tend to get fixated on the idea of a plan and we cannot deviate from it. Another one is overconfidence bias. Believing that we are not prone to biases and somehow above having biases actually fuels every bias on the planet and is really unhealthy. Please stop doing that. Third is describing happiness. People are generally really poor at explaining what they want and have limited access to what actually can make them happy. Let's take a personal finance application for example. Consumers tend to mentally bucket their finances into multiple divisions like safety net, savings, retirement, etc. So a simple solution would be to add a feature into your fintech app that subdivides these accounts for users and that does a ton for their mental stability. Naming one of those accounts something aspirational can 2.5x a user's likelihood of saving. Ultimately, most healthy behavior comes with a reasonably straightforward process and personal touch. It really does make all the difference. So let's take the lessons learned from the past and the lessons learned from instances like Kim K and apply them to how we're building a better future for users via our day-to-day actions. Because having money isn't power. Knowledge of money is power. And that is a wrap on this rant. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me for this commentary episode. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our show and give it a five-star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging too.